There are a number of lies, uh, common lies that we Christians tend to tell ourselves and one another. Um, a lot of cliches, you know, like uh, after someone passes away, we'll say something like, God just earned another angel. And while we may mean well, and that's perfectly fine and innocent, it's really actually not true. And so my friend Shane Pruitt took nine common lies uh, that Christians believe, and he uh, made them into a book, and that's the title of the book. And in the subtitle is, And Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. And so the book does just that. Uh, Shane goes through these uh, nine common lies that we tell ourselves, and then he counters them with uh, a truth from God's Word and why uh, God's Word is actually even better than the lies that we tell ourselves. And so this was a, a fun interview to do, and uh, I think you could learn quite a bit, and uh, you may be surprised as to what uh, you, you previously believed may not actually be true. And so it's always good to have our uh, beliefs challenged, and uh, especially on the authority of God's Word, to have them corrected. But I thought I'd tell you a little bit about Shane before you watch the interview. And so Shane um, Pruitt, and he is the Director of Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. He and his wife, Casey, have five children, Reagan, Harper, Titus, Elliot, and Glory. He's been in ministry for 17 years. He holds a degree in uh, Biblical Studies, a Master's Degree in History, and a Ph.D. in Clinical Christian Counseling. So I suppose I should be saying Dr. Shane Pruitt, so excuse me for that. And uh, again, this is the book he's written. Uh, you're going to want to get a copy. It's uh, really good, and uh, you will uh, learn some things from it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to head on over to our Patreon page. Follow the link in the description below, and you can go over there and become a subscriber to um, our ministry here at Help Me Believe. And with that, you will get access to the bonus segment with Shane Pruitt. And in that bonus segment, we talk about uh, what heaven's going to be like and some common lies around uh, that belief. But um, there, you will also get access to all the previous bonus segments with other interviewees, as well as all the future bonus segments uh, with our future interviewees. So thanks so much for watching, guys. Enjoy the episode. In today's modern scientific era, how could you possibly still believe in God? And, and the resurrection, people do not rise from the dead. And don't even start to tell me that you think the Bible is God's Word. If you've ever heard questions like these, or if you've ever had doubts about your faith, this has helped me believe where each week we aim to answer a tough question about Christianity. Our aim is to strengthen the believer and answer the critic. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe, the show about Christian apologetics and theology. My name's Hayden Clark, and it's another special episode because today I am interviewing Shane Pruitt, who is the author of Nine Common Lies, Christians Believe, and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. Shane, how are you doing today? Great, Hayden. Thanks for having me on, man. Truly honored by that. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. In fact, I think, um, I hope I want to be right here, but I think you're the first fellow Texan that I'm having on that I'm going to be interviewing, so this is awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there for all the listeners. But anyway, uh, I, I read the book. It's a great book. I can't wait to talk about it. But before we get into that, uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, um, and, and all that for the listeners who may or may not know who you are. Yeah, great. Yeah, Shane Pruitt. Um, always start with my family. Always say my family is... My primary ministry, everything else I do is from the overflow of that. I have a wonderful wife named Casey. We've been married 14 years. Um, we have five kids that are 12 and under. So I always say that is a prayer request. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, our oldest daughter is Reagan. She's 12. Our next one down is Harper. She's seven. Both of them are biological. 
Uh, we have a six-year-old son, Titus, adopted from Uganda, Africa. We have a three-year-old son, uh, Elliot, who's adopted from here in Texas, and then uh, an 18-month-old named Glory, who's also adopted from here in Texas. Um, I serve as the director of evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, so that means uh, we have a convention of a little over 2,700 churches, so I, I lead a whole team and department serving and equipping the church to, to reach the lost in the next generation with the gospel. And then I get to travel and speak and, and preach and write, and I love that. Yeah, very cool. And so this, uh, this uh, your your last adoption was mm-hmm. is kind of special because of, uh, there's a big thing on, on Twitter, at least is where I saw it. Is that, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, our... Uh, our youngest daughter, Glory, um, we had gone through the process to adopt again. We were in the waiting period, and we got a call one day um, from our adoption agency. said, you've been picked by a birth mom. Uh, the baby's already been born. She's three weeks old. Would y'all be open to this? And, of course, we were. So it was literally the next day we go and meet the birth mother. Our lawyer appeared before the judge because it was so quick, so we wanted to go before the judge. and make sure everything was done right, sign papers. And so we left early the next morning. Our two oldest daughters, they knew we were adopting again, but they didn't realize that we'd got the call and left to go pick up uh, their sister. And so we we come home. Uh, my mother-in-law has come over, stay with them. They wake up by that time. We're coming home, they're already awake. And as we are bringing in their baby sister, I kind of follow with my cell phone recording and uh, our oldest daughter did exactly what we expected her to. She just started crying. Our youngest, or our seven-year-old, she's a little more spunky, so she yells, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So we caught the video, uh, caught that on video, and then we, we kind of sat on it for about 48 hours um, and just uh, enjoyed that transition, and we wanted all attention uh, to be on her. Our close, close friends and family were the only ones that knew. Yeah. Um, that we had got the call and adopted. And so 48 hours later, we put it the video on social media and kind of used it as a birth announcement. And in about 24 hours later, it just went pretty crazy viral. <laughs> yeah. uh, celebrities started sharing it. And then on Monday, I showed back up to my office and my administrative assistant walks in with literally a stack of papers for interviews. And so the video or either the video was shown or we did interviews yeah. on just about every major news network there there was. And, and it was a really cool opportunity to point to the gospel and to, to shine a light on adoption. And uh, it's it shown around the world. So we were getting all kind of fun emails and, and uh, you know, 98% of them were positive. There were some definitely some evil ones out there. Yeah. Uh, we're a multiracial family, so you can imagine some of the comments we got about that. Yeah. But uh, 98% of them were positive, and some of the emails we got in other languages. So we yeah. couldn't really respond to those because we went around. <laughs> but, yeah, it was funny. It was a, uh, I believe God's sovereign, and so I believe that was an opportunity given by him for us to point to his glory and to shine a light on adoption. Yeah. So what was uh, kind of your, your family's personal journey and some of the challenges you faced that um, inspired you to, to write the book? Since we're, yeah, we'll, we'll bridge straight from your family straight into that. Yeah, Yeah. great question. So, yeah, our, old, our oldest adoptive son, Titus, um, who's six, is adopted from Uganda, and he has some special needs. Um, we knew adopting him that he would have some special needs, but we did not know the severity of those needs um, until we got back home. So literally we go there, go through the process. Uh, we have a heart for Africa. We do. My wife and I both 
uh, do ministry and missions uh, in Uganda, and uh, we love Africa. And so <clears throat> we travel back. We literally get off the plane at DFW Airport, go to Children's Hospital. We're checked in there, and we're there multiple days. And on the third day, the neurologist comes in, turns the TV off in our room, pulls up a chair, and gets right in front of our face. Well, that's usually not a yeah. good sign. And uh, he says, after you know many tests, uh, your son has a seizure disorder, and currently he's having over 25 seizures a day, mm. and um, he uh, has cerebral palsy, and it looks like there's a chance maybe he's been abused at some point, you know, in his life early on. And uh, his mom died during childbirth uh, out in the bush of Africa, which we, we consider the country or the boondocks uh, or the sticks, like we say here in Texas. And so by the time they got him to a health clinic, he was almost in a comatose state. Mm. And um, so anyway, we internalized that for a year. Um, I was a, at the time um, I'd planted a church and, and uh, was pastoring a, a fast growing church. And so I had to keep it together, make it look good on the, on yeah. the outside, dying on the inside. Same thing. My wife, she internalized it. Uh, and I internalized it by staying busy. And at the one year anniversary mark, uh, we, of uh, him being home, and I don't know what it was about the one year anniversary, but we both broke, uh, broke emotionally, physically, and all the things that we were struggling with on the inside, the sadness, the suffering, watching our son that we love suffer came to the surface. And, you know, there was a statement that we kept hearing during that time yeah. uh, that people would share with us. God won't give you more than you can handle. We've yeah. all heard times, you know, and I look back and say, you know what? I probably said that, you know, yeah, I think yeah, I'm sure you know, some, and people mean gotta, well. Yeah. Yeah. That I got to apologize to Jesus for it is probably repeating that statement, oh. you know, but anyway, um, and so long story short, uh, we both just, you know, returned to God's word in that time. And, and it's sad to have to say that as a pastor, as a preacher, yeah. uh, cause you know, sometimes we can be the world's worst of oh. using the Bible as a tool to build sermons and not letting it read over our life. Oh, yeah. So returning back to the God's word and in both case and I going, taking a journey together. Um, and we came out on the other side of that, that kind of crisis of exhaustion. Um, we feel better and stronger because of the Holy Spirit returning back to God's word. And so one day I just started making a list of all of these, whether it's a cultural cliche or statements that aren't even biblical, but we've brought them into the church and kind of adopted them and baptized them, or even just lies that we tell ourselves that aren't biblical. And so that's kind of where the vision of the book, Nine Common Lies That Christians Believe, and each chapter tackles one of these statements. And what does God's Word actually say about it and how God's Word's better than that statement? Yeah, uh, that's a cool concept. Um, so let's talk about uh, some of these lies that we tell mm -hmm. ourselves. So God just wants me to, to be happy, right, Shane? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being I mean, what's wrong with being happy, man? You don't yeah, want me to be exactly. happy? Come on. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the chapters, you know, the, the statements that we tackle. God just wants me to be happy. Um, and, and I love stories, you know, and being in ministry over 18 years now, um, you know, you just gather stories, whether it's your own story or stories just through ministry. And so, you know, there's a story that we use in there um, that really is is a specific story, but it's also a story that represents of hundreds just like it is. Yeah. First of all, God doesn't want it is not anti happy. Um, I, I believe that God wants us to be happy. I think the problem with that statement is really the cultural view of it is, you know, often our happiness is tied to feelings. Our happiness is tied to circumstances. If my circumstances are right, 
I'm happy. If my circumstances aren't right, I'm not happy. And then uh, there's kind of a flip side to that same statement. And usually where I've heard it the most is almost a justification for an action that is contrary to God's word, meaning sin. A lot of times it's justification for sin and say, well, at the end of the day, I know God wants me to be happy. Like that's the greatest good or that's the trump card of all. Even if it's sin, I know at the end of the day, God wants me to be happy. And so really what I address in that chapter is uh, there's there's even something more beautiful than a cultural understanding of happiness. And it's joy. Mm -hmm. See, if happiness is built on a circumstance, then happiness comes and goes with circumstances. But joy is built on a person, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And so you can have joy. Like if life is good, you can have joy because the Holy Spirit of God is there. If life stinks, you can still have joy because the Holy Spirit of God is still with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So, yeah, so a pursuit of joy, (laughs) you know. um, Joy greater than happiness. Okay, I got it. Yeah, got it. Uh, kind of a similar one uh, that you talk about is uh, follow your heart. You know, we say this one a lot. You should follow, just follow your heart, man. Don't you know? Yeah, that's definitely one of the most popular ones. Uh, it's definitely, I think, a cultural cliche. I don't think we would, any of us would disagree with that. But I'm amazed at how many Christians say it or even give it as yeah. advice. Yeah. Follow your heart. We see it on T-shirts. We see it on coffee mugs. We see it on desktop computer screensavers with roses in the background. Follow your heart. Once again, the understanding of that, you know, if we take the word heart um, from the Old Testament, New Testament, basically means the center of your emotions, the center of your desires. And so to say that term, follow your heart, literally means follow your desires, follow your feelings, which is exactly what culture means when they say it. Like, what's your gut telling you? You know, what's those feelings? And I don't know about you, but my feelings change all the time. Yeah. And so if I follow my feelings, I'm going to follow them right into a ditch, you know. Yeah. And then you've got Jeremiah. you got the prophet Jeremiah saying, you know, I'm paraphrasing this from Jeremiah 17, but our heart is sick and full of evil desires mm-hmm. and can't be trusted, you know. And, uh, you know, I think of my 12-year-old daughter who's in seventh grade, which that is absolutely terrifying. But, I mean, what kind of loving father would I say, okay, hey, Reagan, here's this guy, and he's full of evil desires. And, uh, man, he is really spiritually sick. And, uh, man, this guy's a huge problem. But follow him and do whatever he says and whatever he needs you to do. Follow that. Well, that wouldn't be very smart, and that wouldn't be very loving. That's exactly what we're doing upon our heart. Well, really, the biblical understanding of that is not. We don't follow a heart. We need a new heart. That's what salvation is, and yeah. and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and follow the Word of God. You yeah. know, and uh, and one of my favorite verses right now. If you ask me each day what my favorite verse is, it's going to be something different each day. But uh, my, one of my favorite verses right now is out of First John. Um, where it says, you know, our heart fails us, but God is greater than our heart. So there's going to be times where when I, what I know to be true has to outweigh what I feel to be true. Mm. Often culture flips that upside down. Your feelings outweigh truth. Your feelings outweigh what you know to be true. So often if my feel, if I have my feelings laid out on the table and I have the word of God open and my feelings contradict the word of God, my feelings don't rule. The Word of God does. Yeah. And so what I know to be true has to outweigh what I feel to be true. Yeah. So you're talking about getting a new heart. So once we have a new heart, can we then just follow it? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, once and God I mean, gives it. <laughs> you know, and you know, and you know, and I know I alluded to that, but you know, sometimes I think even in uh, the evangelical world, so we put such a focus on the new heart and inviting Jesus to live in your heart. And I'll never forget where, when my oldest daughter, when she was about six or seven, she asked me like this deep theological question that just blew my mind. I'm like, okay, we were putting too much focus on inviting Jesus to your heart. She's like, daddy, if I get a heart transplant, do I have to re-invite Jesus back into my heart? You know, oh, she's man. Like there's little Lego Jesus that, you know, <laughs> open the door of your heart, place him in and he's yeah. there. And then, uh, and so we know that obviously the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you know, takes you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Um, and now it's over time shaping uh, where you think where you think differently, feel differently. So there's still obviously residue effects of the fall and total, total depravity. Yeah. And, and so once again, I would just trust the word of God. Genesis to Revelation, the word of God, trust that um, because I think our feelings are still going to try to lead us astray. That's some good advice. Follow the word, not your heart. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, another one, uh, kind of a cultural thing. When somebody dies, we tend to say God just gained another angel. Oh man, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We had addressed that one in the book. Um, you know, and that one's a really hard one because usually when you hear that, it's obviously in the middle of uh, a passing, yeah. death, grieving. You know, I never suggest getting in a theological debate with someone. No, yeah, just, it's probably like, <laughs> wait a minute, minister. Wait, I don't think that's what it says. I yeah, here, you know, you think of, here, here's a, a mom bawling because, a, you know, her three-year-old passed away and God gained another angel and she says that. I, I don't know if that's the appropriate time to correct her, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, angels are angels. And they're set that way. Humans are humans, and that's God's intention. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's better to be a human than an angel anyway. If you think about it, if you if you think of, okay, you know, how literal we take this or not, a third of the angels rebel, they're demons, you know. And like, if you think about fallen angels, like, their eternity is now set. There's no yeah. redemption for them. Jesus didn't come to die for angels, yeah. you know, and to that God so loved us that he sent his son for us. So it's actually more beneficial to be a redeemed, born again, blood bought and dwelt by the Holy Spirit follower of Jesus than it is to even be an angel. You know, and those statements like that, even the angels desire to look into what um, God is doing on our behalf. And so, you know, like, no, God doesn't gain another angel. He called another worshiper home. And uh, man, that's so much better, you know. So one, uh, one really a question that I had um, while reading, but uh, a question I could imagine somebody asking while reading through or listening to this might be, is it really that big of a deal that you felt necessary to like write a book to correct these things? Isn't this just kind of some innocent things that people say? What's the kind of the big deal? And I mean, I think your subtitle kind of hints at it, which means, well, it, it may or may not actually be a big deal, but there's something better. Is, but anyway, um, I'll, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think the best way I can compare it is, you know, like these statements, maybe, you know, some of them like 
God gaining another angel, following your heart, believe in yourself, those kind of things. Like they may seem like innocent statements. Usually we just regurgitate them because we've heard them somewhere else. You know, um, I kind of relate them, you know, they're temporary fixes. You know, usually we hear these statements in times of difficulty or times of making decision and they're just temporary. You know, it's kind of like cotton candy. You know, like I love cotton candy, like the first three bites, and then it gets really old really quick. Yeah, and if I yeah. only eat cotton candy, my, my teeth are going to fall out and I'm going to be really anemic and really unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and the, God's word is eternal. Um, and God's word has been here long before us and will be here long after us. And that is really what will heal. And God's word is really what will endure the dark nights of the soul. And it's so much better than these cliches and i think you know even if you think like believe in yourself i address that one believe in yourself and there is like yeah i think that is eternally dangerous because that's almost anti-gospel yeah. you know when jesus yeah that's is pretty close yeah. Disciples, yeah when jesus is inviting his disciples he doesn't say hey believe in yourself try harder do better put yourself at any i think he said yeah. the exact literally the exact, the exact opposite, opposite. Yeah. <laughs> deny yourself pick up your cross and then follow me you know so yeah i mean i think some of them can be very innocent and some of them can be eternally dangerous and then most of them hold us back in our faith you know one of the the lies i address in there um is you know it's, some of them are cultural cliches but some of them are just straight lies that we tell ourselves um that's holding us back in our faith like one of the lies i address is i could never forgive that person yeah. well man if you really believe that that's really holding you back in your journey of following jesus you know or or, or that person whoever that person is for you will never change but then you're limiting the power of god there yeah yeah so some of them can be pretty big deal uh i got one more question for you i'm going to ask you about heaven and what that's going to be like but first uh, you'll have to head on over to our patreon page and become a supporter of the show and uh and i'll ask you a question about that shane thanks so much for coming on uh guys you're going to want to get this book it's a really good book and uh, i appreciate you coming on Hey, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button, the like button, leave us a review, all that good stuff. If you want to watch the bonus segment, Five More Minutes with Shane Pruitt, click on the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter of our ministry. We'd appreciate that a lot, and you get a lot of exclusive content with your subscription. Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.